Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Our Father in God, we come to you again and we ask that as we study your word, that you will speak to our hearts and by your Holy Spirit, you will enable us to understand. As we look now into the book of Revelation, dear Father, we pray that we will, as the scripture says, read, hear, and keep the message. Father, we pray that you will open our understanding and illuminate our minds, our spirits, our hearts. Help us to recognize the time in which we live. And also help us to recognize that what we do today touches eternity. Help us to take to heart the lesson that we had in the Sunday school to live our lives with an eye toward eternity, making eternal investments. And Father, for anyone here today or anyone listening by by podcast over the internet who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray today they will give their heart, their life, their future to you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And we pray now that as we look into it, that we hear your voice. Speak to us, we pray, to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. And so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and so we're going to be in the book of Revelation for the next uh, several months because there's a tremendous amount of information that uh, the Lord has provided to his people, and we're going to be taking uh, time to go through uh, at least the first three chapters, and uh, depending upon how we're led, whether or not we go through the, the whole entire book, but that would take over a year to do, <laughs> but we're going to look 
initially at the first three chapters. And so if you would turn there to the first chapter in the book of Revelation. Now the book of Revelation is uh, seldom preached on, or sel seldom even taught. And sadly, uh, there are those who, who would take the position that, uh, you know, it's beyond understanding. And uh, that it's too difficult and not practical. And yet that's, that is completely and totally erroneous. Because the book of Revelation is filled with tremendous theology and, and practicality. It contains practical lessons for everyday life. Now, just as the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings, which teaches us and informs us about how everything came into being, the scientists are still trying to figure that out. Okay? They're, they're still trying to figure all that out. And God's already told us. He created it all. Just like the, the, uh, the piece of music that Miss Ginger just played. This is my father's world. That beautiful hymn that we sing. This world and all of creation belongs to him. And he spoke it into existence. That's what the Bible teaches. That's how it came about. God spoke it into existence. And so the book of Genesis tells us that. Genesis means it is the, the book of beginnings. And then at the end of the Bible is the book of Revelation, which tells us how everything is going to turn out in the end. And I think Thomas mentioned this morning, he said, well, I've read the back of the book. <laughs> and it all turns out well, all right, for those, for those who believe in the Lord. And I think I've mentioned to you before, there was a song, okay? That, we win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I read the back of the book, and we win. <laughs> all right, okay? And the things that God has planned for those who love him, Tremendous, tremendous blessing. Ah, oh, but for those who reject it, the complete and total opposite. Now, the book of Revelation, that, that, that title, Revelation, and if you notice, when you look in your Bibles there, there's no S after the M. You understand? It's not Revelations. It's incorrect. It is the book of Revelation. It is one revelation that has all of these many aspects, but it is one revelation. It comes from the Greek word apokalypsis, which means the unveiling or the revealing. Now, the book was written, we believe, by the Apostle John. Now, during the time of his life, John had gone through a tremendous amount of persecution. And at this period in uh, AD, around AD 95, Domitian was the emperor of Rome. And he did not like the Christians. 
And so there was a tremendous amount of persecution that had been carried on because Nero, earlier in, uh, in the 60s, AD 60s, had also persecuted the Christians. But during the time of Domitian, the apostle John was arrested for preaching the gospel. And he was sentenced exiled to the Isle of Patmos, which is located in the, the Aegean Sea. And this, this little island, this jagged rock out in the, the Aegean Sea, is where John receives the message from the Lord that we're going to be studying over the course of the next several weeks and several months this book called The Revelation. John, the Apostle John was, we believe, in his, in his 90s or close to that. And as we understand it, John is the only apostle of, of the original 12 who died a natural death in old age. All the others were murdered, with the exception of Judas, who committed suicide. You'll recall that when Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus, and he wanted to give back the money, right? They didn't want it. He went out, the Bible says, he went out and he hanged himself. But the other apostles were all martyred. And John, although having been persecuted himself when Domitian died in AD 96 it's believed that John was then released from exile he was able to go back to uh, Asia Minor Israel and such and lived out the last few years of his life and so we have this beautiful book the book of Revelation. And I encourage you to read through it. Read through it as we study it. Beginning at verse 1 and in chapter 1 in the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, 
and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am, Al I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And so today we're going to be looking at the first several verses in this, in this chapter. And it's the message of Revelation to the seven churches. And uh, we'll talk more about the churches and, and what and who uh, they represent because there are many different uh, views. But we know that the, the letter, the book of Revelation, initially was was written and given to these seven specific local churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. Back in those days, they referred to it as, as Asia. But they're there along the, uh, the coast of, of the modern day of, of Turkey. So the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now notice that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That this revelation contains information about how things are going to work out and how the end is going to come. That is the end of, of this particular world system because the world continues and life continues forever. The one thing that, uh, that most people don't realize, both the saved and the lost, 
both the, the believers and the unbelievers are going to live forever. However, their eternal destination is completely different. There are those who like to take comfort in the thought that once life is over, they, they, they take comfort that all their troubles are going to be over with because that's it, gone. They think that that's it. No, no, that is not what the scripture teaches. You'll recall the parable that, that Jesus gave about the rich man and the poor man. Now, Jesus was not saying that it's, a, that it's an evil thing to be, to be wealthy. No, that's not what he was saying. But what he was saying was that this rich man trusted in his riches. And riches cannot give you eternal life. Now, the poor man died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. But in hell, or in Hades, actually, the rich man realized that all of his investment, all of his wealth, did him no good in eternity. And there he was in Hades, crying out to Father Abraham, saying, oh, that Lazarus would, would dip his finger in some water and come and cool me to touch my tongue and cool me for I am in torment in this flame. He was alive. He was lost, but he was alive. Everyone lives forever. Make no mistake about it, but the two destinations are completely different. The revelation, notice, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gives. God is the one who gives the revelation. It's reliable. And as we mentioned earlier, written around A.D. 95, A.D. 96, around that time. Because this was the time when John, as we just read, was exiled to the island of Patmos. And then notice to show or to inform his servants, that is, believers, of what is to come. Now there are those who, who reject, even today, there are those who reject the book of Revelation. They reject it. They say, no, it's not for, it's not for our time. They say it was only for that time in the first century when they were going through the, through the persecution, etc., etc. It was written just to comfort them. No, I don't believe that. Because over in the, in the 19th chapter, and we read the, the, ninth, the portion of the 19th chapter the last week, when Jesus returns. Has Jesus returned yet? No, he hasn't, he hasn't returned yet. That is still in the future. And has he, has he established his millennial kingdom yet? No, that's still in the future. But for some on that very point, they reject the book of Revelation. Because in the, in the 20th century, you know, with all the intellectuals, they came up with this position called amillennialism. 
Now, what does that mean? Well, when you put that little A in front of the word, it means there's, there's not going to be a millennium. And sadly, that's taught in many seminaries. They intellectualize things away. The book of Revelation says that Christ is going to establish a millennial kingdom. It also says that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. It also says that the world is going to wax worse and worse and worse as we, as we come closer and closer to the fulfillment of God's plan. But notice, it's written and given to show or to inform his servants, the believers, those who believe in the Lord. God's word comforts, and God's word also warns. It warns both the believer as well as the unbeliever to become a believer. But notice it also says things which must shortly take place. Things which must shortly take place. And, and this is another verse that has caused some to say, well, it's, you know, it's been 2,000 years. And if you read over in, in the writings of the Apostle Peter, he addresses that. He says, scoffers, they've always been with us. You see, there were scoffers in his day, just like there are scoffers in our day. They say, where is the promise of his coming? Everything continues as it has from the beginning of time, and he hasn't come. But this term that's used here in, in the Greek doesn't necessarily mean something that has to happen right away. Ah, but it does carry with it the idea of once it begins, that the events begin to occur in rapid succession. Things begin to accelerate. Now, I prayed a moment ago, oh, that we would recognize the time in which we live. Yes, because there is so much that is going on. Not just here in our own country, but around the world, and especially in Israel, as they continue to discover more and more things. And we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, do you think that, that it was just a coincidence that in 1947 the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, God's Word, and then a year later, Israel, Recognized once again as a sovereign nation. Hmm. Things which must shortly take place. And then the ministry of the Apostle John, and we mentioned, we mentioned the Apostle John. He was faithful. He's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when we read in the, the Gospel of John, how he leaned on the breast of, of the Lord at the Lord's Supper. We also read that John was one of the only apostles to be present at the crucifixion. And it was to the apostle John that Jesus turned over the responsibility of his mother Mary to John. Now the book, the writings, 
the letter of Revelation, the message. Here in verse 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The idea here is, is a reading that is a public reading with an audience. But this, this promise is a blessing. So if the book begins and says, blessed is, or, or content, or highly favored by God's grace, then why would someone say, well, shouldn't read it? And you can't understand it. Why would God give us a book if we couldn't understand it? Does that make sense to you? That was a question. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. God wouldn't give us a book if, if we couldn't understand it. Blessed also involves this idea of understanding or making known making us aware, informing us, giving us both knowledge and wisdom, practical wisdom, giving us, it, as, as it were, eyeglasses to see into the future. You know, there's this, uh, the, in, in, in the military especially, they, they can use night goggles that enable them to see things that you would not normally see at night. Well, the world lives in darkness, spiritual darkness, but, but God's children are to live in a world of light because we are called the children of light. And you see this, blessed is he who reads. So I'd rather be blessed than cursed. I think you would agree with that. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to read the book. Amen? Read it. And then it says, those who hear. That is, those who, who let the message enter into their heart, into their soul, into their mind, into their spirit. Allow the message of the Lord to enter into the heart. And then it says, keep. That means to obey, to submit to. It also means to, to hold on to or to live by God's holy word. So all of this is, is given for our, our benefit. And then, moving on to our, our second point, notice that it's given initially, well, initially, of course, it's given to John, who then is instructed to give the message to the seven churches. So to the seven churches, and notice the message. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. And we've said they're located there uh, in, in the country of Turkey. The message is grace to you in peace. And remember, that order is very important. It's never peace and grace. It's always grace and peace. Because you cannot have the peace of God apart from the grace 
of God. So the message, like the other New Testament books that begin, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace, charis in the, in the Greek, the unearned, the unmerited favor of God. God is so good. He's so loving. He's so kind. And he's so giving. You know, God is not selfish. God is so generous. So generous. So giving. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. Grace. And then he's, he's merciful also. By not giving us what we do deserve. <laughs> and if you truly know the Lord, you know what you deserve. And yet God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve because he's a God of grace and of mercy. And this idea of peace is a, is a relationship that has been made whole. It doesn't mean that we never have trouble in life. It doesn't mean that we, we never have sorrow or pain or any of those kinds of things. It's referring to a relationship that is whole. A relationship with God. And we've mentioned before that we have three relationships. A vertical relationship. One that we have with God. A horizontal relationship that we have with, with others and even with the created order. And then there's this internal relationship that we have with ourselves. But if the, if the vertical relationship is, is out of balance, guess what? Those other two relationships are going to be out of balance as well. But if the relationship with God is right, then there's a greater possibility or probability that your other relationships are also going to be in proper balance. But all too often, in more cases, people are more concerned with these horizontal and inner relationships than they are with the relationship with God. But that's the piece that he's talking about here. It's a, a relationship of wholeness. It is a, a right relationship. And notice who it comes from. Grace to you and peace from him who was, or rather who is, and who was, and who is to come. He's referring to God Almighty, God the Father. We see here in this passage the Trinity from him who is, because God is eternal. When Moses uh, when the Lord spoke to Moses at the burning bush, you'll recall that, that he said, well, what is your name? When I go back to Egypt, the people are going to ask me who it is that, that sent me. And what's your name? And how did the Lord respond to Moses? He said, I am that I am. You tell them, I am have sent you. The eternally present one. That is what that means. That's what that phrase means. That's what that name means. God is the eternally present one. Who is, who was, and who is to come. And then, 
the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now there are many different positions here, but, but what we have here is the Trinity, and, the, and, and throughout the book of Revelation, seven, the number seven, as well as other numbers and, and symbolism, is used extensively throughout the book of Revelation because it's classified as apocalyptic literature, which refers to, and I gave you that fancy word, eschatology, the end times. A tremendous amount of symbolism. But the number seven is used in scripture to refer to, to perfection, to completeness. God the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is complete and he is perfect before his throne. Now there are some who take the position that it may refer to to the angels of, of the churches because angels are spirit beings, if, if you will. But I believe that it's referring to God the Holy Spirit who is perfect and who is complete. And why? Because the next one that it comes from is from Jesus Christ. God the Son. So we have the Trinity here. We have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And it is the ministry of God the Holy Spirit to glorify the Son as it was the ministry of the Lord Jesus the Son to glorify the Father. And the Father's ministry of glorifying His Son as well as Himself. And it's the Spirit of God who enables us to understand. So the message, the book of Revelation, comes to us from the triune God. From God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, the blessing that is, that is referred to, that we mentioned a moment ago, can actually be said of the whole entire Bible. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that if a person chooses to study the Word of God, that their life will be blessed or should be blessed? But it, it also involves more than just reading. It, it, it carries with it the idea of allowing the message to penetrate one's heart to the point that it transforms their life. And they see life from a heavenly perspective. So as we move on here, and we'll just touch this here because we're out of time. The person and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ Notice some characteristics about his life. He is the faithful witness. God is faithful. We sing the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. Because he is faithful. Jesus is the faithful witness. He is the one who came to earth and proclaimed the message of the Father. And what is that message? The message of love. And so we will we'll end there. But we'll continue in the book of Revelation, as I've mentioned, for the next several weeks. <coughs> We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. Living for Jesus. And notice that the invitation is God's invitation. God's invitation for you to turn your life over to Him.
his invitation for you to hear his word, his invitation to, to hear his message and to allow his message and his spirit to transform your life. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Savior. A simple act of faith in prayer. You come to him confessing that you're a sinner and acknowledging that he died upon the cross for you, that he rose up from the dead for you. Let's see. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.